Romans chapter 8. Let's stand together, please, as we read from the Scripture. We've been in Romans chapter 8 off and on the last couple of Sunday evenings. And um, I didn't intend to make this a series of lessons, but, you know, the first lesson we talked about was being full of the Holy Ghost. It was uh, what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The church there in Jerusalem needed spiritual help. The apostles could not handle, uh, they could have handled the problem they had with some uh, people there that were just disgruntled or people that were murmuring, felt neglected, but... In the wisdom of God, they looked for some spiritual men, spirit-filled men within the congregation to help with that. And then last Sunday, being Resurrection Sunday, we spoke again about the fact that in this, in this very book here, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that's the Holy Spirit, capital S, Spirit, If he dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That verse challenges me that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. That that tells us we have a lot of potential often that we don't rely on or count on. But tonight I want to talk to you about another aspect of the Holy Spirit's work. And I'm just going to begin by reading a single verse, and that's verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. And we'll look at some other verses, quite a few, few verses actually as we move along. But let's look at this verse together, Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let's read that together, all right? Romans eight fourteen. ready? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. Now, I just, I'm just really, really uh, interested in this subject that God would lead us, the leadership of the Spirit, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. And I, I want God to lead me tonight as I preach and lead us as we listen and help us to grow in appreciation of His leadership. We need His leadership. As parents, we need God's leadership. As fathers, as mothers, as husbands, as wives, as individual Christians, as young people trying to figure out what God wants you to do. I've got good news for you. You don't have to figure it out on your own. God Himself will lead you if you'll let Him, if you'll allow Him. That's an amazing thought to me. And so let's let's pray as we get into the message. Father, please bless tonight as we study, as we look into the Word of God. We pray that you'd open our eyes, you'd work in our hearts. We ask you, Lord, to make us uh, ready and receptive and help us to be pliable and and submissive to the truth. We pray that, God, you'd help us to recognize and resist and reject distractions, things that would hinder us. God, help us to avoid the very common mistake of thinking this is for everybody else but not for me. Lord, I pray you'd work in our hearts tonight. We trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to begin tonight by just talking about the role, and I hope you'll use your Bible tonight and look these verses up, but the role of the Holy Spirit in leading us. Now, that's not the only thing he does. First of all, we wouldn't even know that we're sinners without the Spirit of God. He he, he reproves the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. He convicts us of our sin. And then He converts us. He's, he's the regenerating person in our life. 
That we're born of the Spirit. We become new creatures because He makes us new. And uh, isn't that a wonderful thing? So the Holy Spirit should not be a stranger to us. But also tonight we're going to talk about the fact that He leads us. Look in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now, sometimes we'll take a word and we'll look at it, you know, and in the original language to get a better definition or a more full definition, I should say, of the word. But led or lead means exactly what you think it means. It means he guides us. He directs our life. He wants to, he wants to work in us and show us the best way. So this is a promise. This is a promise of God's leading in our life. It's personal guidance. Now, most of you would think, well, I sure hope the preacher is letting God lead him, and I would say amen. But God wants to lead you. Now, I don't know who all is saved here tonight, but if you're saved, the Spirit of God lives within you, and He wants to lead you. Amen? And we need His leadership, right? When you go, when you go come time for finals in a couple of weeks, you're going to need some outside help, right? Some divine intervention. So I'd encourage you to pay attention tonight. You think God could help me make better grades? It wouldn't hurt anything. I can, for some of you anyway. So this is personal guidance. It's divine leadership and direction. So uh, we ought to seek to understand this. I want to understand this better. I, I, want to, I, want, I want his leadership in my life. I want his direction in my life. You know, when I hear... Someone get up like Brother Stoniker did earlier and talk about God's direction in his life. And, and you know what? Every one of us should think, you know, I, I really hope and pray and trust that God is actually leading him in that way. I mean, you know, he's confident and I'm confident that God is leading him in that way. But you know what? The same God that he needs to lead him, you need to lead you. God wants to work in our life. And there's so many examples. And what I want to do initially here is go to the Old Testament and I just want to look at a few examples not to not to spend a time on a lot of these verses the, let's go first of all to Genesis 24 because this is the first mention of the word led God leading someone and I thought it'd be interesting to look at that in Genesis chapter 24 and while you're turning there I'll just fill you in on the background you know Abraham's getting old and and uh, he's looking for a bride for Isaac, and uh, he, he didn't want a bride, uh, he, Isaac, to marry someone right there among the Canaanites. He wants someone of his own people, and so he's getting his, lead, his servant, whose name is Eleazar, and he's going he to give him this assignment. Now, please think about this. Abraham is going to ask Eleazar to go to Haran and find a bride for his son, Isaac. This is about 450 miles away. And he's going to go find the single person that God wants to marry his son, Isaac. Now you think about that assignment. And by the way, God has a single person for you young people to marry. It's not like multiple guests, right? God, God is, God is, you say, well, I've, I've got my mind 
I, in my mindset what I'm looking for, and there's nothing wrong with having those ideas, but I'll tell you what you ought to want more than anything. You want God's idea. God's will. So he sent him on this mission to travel this great distance. And uh, look what it says in chapter 24 and verse 27. This is, this is Eleazar speaking. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. Here's the statement. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. He said, God led me without a road map, without an interstate highway, without street signs, without GPS navigation. Eleazar was able to find a person because God led him. Do you believe that? God led him. He mentioned this another time, uh, but uh, in looking at chapter 24 and verse 48. He says, and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me. I worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. He led me. Now we're going to mention this again later, but I want to mention it now while we're at this place. Look in chapter 24 and verse 11. This is how this, is how this servant began his journey. Look in chapter 24, verse 11. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. Should I mention that a second time, that the women went out to draw the water? Did everybody get that? Okay. Got it. I think we got it. And he, Verse 12. And he said, here's Eleazar speaking, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, Send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master's son. He begins this journey, this, this, this decision, this ability, this looking for this ability to find the right one by asking God to lead him. We're going to come back to that later. But he was praying for God to direct him. You're in Genesis. Go to the right just a little bit to Exodus. Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13, we're talking about Old Testament examples, and there's so many of them, but Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21. And the Lord went before them, talking about the nation of Israel, the people in the wilderness. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give light, give them light to go by day and night. He led them by this, by this, in, this sign. He didn't, listen, so many people, I'm telling you today, have the idea that I'm just going to do what I think's best and I'm going to expect God to bless it. And I'm going to ask Him to bless it, but I'm going to tell you, God has a better way. And that's for Him to lead us. For Him to actually lead us. In Exodus, turn to the right a little bit further in Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, Exodus 32 and verse um, 33, and the Lord said unto Moses, whosoever had sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book, Exodus 32 now in verse 34, therefore now go lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Now here's an example of God saying, 
I want, I'm going to tell you where I want you to go and I want you to lead the people. So God leads everybody and God actually leads leaders. It's an amazing thing how God wants to lead us. God wants to lead parents. God wants to lead, lead Christians. God wants to lead uh, pastors. Uh, go with me if you would to Proverbs chapter 3, a very famous passage. Matter of fact, when we were singing uh, that song a moment ago... Um, this, this passage was in it, uh, down by the, by the hymn, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Notice what it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine understanding. In other words, don't depend on yourself to figure it out. And all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall what? Direct thy paths. What if God... What if God could direct your path, young person? What if God would be able to navigate you through life? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? And yet that's exactly what he said he would do. In that that well-known psalm, the 23rd psalm of David, David said, He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leads me. He leads me in paths of righteousness. God leads me. There's so many examples of God's leadership. If you go to the New Testament, let's go there for just a moment. And uh, the first example I want to look at is in Matthew chapter 4, the greatest example of, of a servant being yielded to God is the life of Jesus Christ. And after Jesus Christ was baptized, it says in Matthew 4, 1, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So we see his leadership. In Matthew chapter 6, we have an example. We have the, the record in Matthew 6 of Jesus' teaching concerning a model or a pattern for prayer. And look what it says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. Pray this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. Uh, look in Acts chapter 8, uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, this is the direction of the Spirit of God leading uh, Philip to, to leave Samaria, to go under the desert, under Gaza. There was someone there he wanted him to speak to. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, and the, Lord, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he, Philip, arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of a great authority, unto Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and read Isaiah, reading from Isaiah, he saith the prophet, then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Wouldn't it be something if God could lead us like that? I want you to go witness to this person. I want you to go encourage that person. I, you say, well, does God do that sort of thing? Sure he does. This is what God does. Now, he may not be doing it in my life. He may not be doing it in your life. But this is what God does. This is, this is an indication that you're saved. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. God leads His children. Amen. Go to the Gospel of Luke. Go backwards from here to the Gospel of Luke for just a moment. And I was just reading this recently. uh, Luke chapter 19. And this is as Jesus is getting 
nearing Jerusalem, coming into Jerusalem for that last time before he would go to the cross. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 28 it says, And when he had thus spoken, Luke 19, 28, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Now, just listen, let's just really pay attention to what we're reading here. He sent two of his disciples saying, Go you into the village over against you. Go to that neighboring village, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. You're going to go in this village, you're going to see a colt tied up. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found, I love this phrase, I have it underlined in the Bible, and found even as he said unto them. You're always, you're always going to find it just like he said it would be. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose you the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. <laughs> and they let him go. They brought him to Jesus. Now that's what I call leadership. God said, Go into town. When you go into town, you're going to find this colt tied up. And when you get ready to loose him and steal him, I mean borrow him or take him, if somebody says anything, just said the Lord, need, the Lord hath need of him. Turn a page or two to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse 7. It's time for that final Passover. Luke 22, 7. Then came... Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. Now you have to understand they don't have a permanent dwelling place. They don't have a house. They just traveled around and camped out under the stars, I'm sure a lot. Stayed in homes when they could. So he says, go prepare us the Passover. And verse 9 says, they said unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare? Where are we going to do this? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in, and you shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went out, here's the phrase again, and found as he had said unto them. And they made ready the Passover. Now, I'm not implying tonight that everything that comes up, you're going to have that direct kind of leadership in your life. You know, should I wear a gray suit or a black suit? And the answer to that is, you wear the suit that matches your wife's outfit. <laughs> right. <laughs> So some things we can figure out. But God does want to lead us. And I'm going, to, I'm going to make a statement that may seem like an exaggeration, but I don't think it is. We're missing out on a lot of what God has planned for us because we're really not allowing Him to lead us. Or we're not asking Him to lead us. Or we're not expecting Him to lead us. We're talking about divine leadership. So let's be honest with ourselves tonight. 
Not thinking about anybody else but you. How much do we rely on God's leadership in our life? And I would guess that it can become a way of life for many of God's children to rely more on their human instincts or more on their level of comfort or more on their circumstances or more on what seems right than trusting God to really lead them. Now, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't embarrass anybody. But if I were to just call people out, young people or adults, and say, you know, when was the last time you just knew that God led you in some decision that you made? Now, that seems, it sound, kind of sounds like a loaded question because, as we'll get to in just a moment, a lot of the ways that God leads us are ways He's already laid out in the Scripture, and we just obey what He says. And by the way, that is following His lead. That's why we're here tonight, right? We're here tonight on the assembling with the church because He's commanded us to do that. He's, di- he's directed us. So in a sense, that's what that is. But we, we want to trust God to lead us. And He doesn't always lead in ways that seem normal. I was thinking this afternoon about the occasion over in 1 Kings when Elijah was the prophet and there was a drought a three-year drought in Israel, and, and times were really, really bad. And uh, he went in and spoke to King Ahab, and, and God directed the prophet, he said, to tell Ahab, it's not going to rain until I give you the word. And uh, sure enough, things got bad, it dried up, and God told Ahab, though, he says, or, uh, Elijah, I want you to go down by the brook Cherith, and if you'll just stay there by the creek, then I'm going to send a bird twice a day to bring you food. Isn't that a pretty good deal? And so sure enough, he stayed by the creek and the bird came and he had, he had whatever he had to eat, I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't say, but he ate twice a day. But then the creek dried up. And then God said this to him. I want you to go over to Zarephath and I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. Now this is really, to me, a pretty bizarre thing. And this widow woman is going to meet your needs. And it wasn't just any widow woman. This widow woman was destitute. As a matter of fact, try to wrap your mind around this. When Elijah walked up to her, he said, could I have something to drink? And then uh, she... She would get him some, and by the way, that's something to ask at a three-year drought, right? Could I have some of your water? But then he asked for something to eat. And she said, well, to be honest with you, and I'm paraphrasing, to be honest with you, I'm gathering up some sticks, and I'm going to start a fire, and I have just enough meal left to make a cake. And I'm going to make that final meal, and then... We're, we're prepared, she's prepared that that's going to be our last meal and we will starve to death. That's how destitute she was. Now, if you think about that, that'll really get a hold of you. And Jesus said, that widow woman's going to sustain you. And you know what? She did. Now, you and I, we might think of a better way, right? We might think in our mind, there's a better way to do this. And this was not easy for that woman, 
I don't think it probably was. And it wasn't easy for the preacher. I mean, I'm pretty hard-hearted, but I don't know if I'd take the last, last biscuit a widow woman had, you know what I'm saying? But here's the point. None of that would have happened if, if God wasn't leading this person. If, there was, if he wasn't letting God lead him. There's a couple of verses in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 14. I, and look in Proverbs, Proverbs 14. Then we're going to look at another passage in Proverbs. It says the same thing, but I, I think reading it twice might help us get it. Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The word way in the Bible usually means a path, a road, a direction. There's a way that seems right. And again, I wanna, I'm going to throw this idea out there. Maybe it doesn't ma- will connect with everybody, but I think that's the way people make a lot of their decisions, what seems right. There's a way that seems right unto a man. It just makes sense. It just makes sense to me. But the end of that way is not going to be pleasurable. It's not going to be pleasant. In Proverbs chapter 16, just turn to the right, maybe a page or so. Proverbs 16 and verse 25. This sounds a whole lot like that. There is a way, Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This is, listen, young person, this is not a good pattern for decision, the decision-making process. I'm just going to do whatever seems right. I'm going to do whatever makes sense to me. There's someone who knows a lot better than you or I know as far as what is good for us, and that's God. And people do this. They, they do what's right when it comes to choosing a vocation. They do what seems right to choose a job. They do what seems right when they're making a purchase. They do what's right when it comes to choosing a life partner. They do what's right when it comes to serving the Lord. Can I tell you tonight, and this may seem kind of idealistic, but it's not even really our decision what God wants us to do in His will. It's His decision. What does God want me to do? What does God plan for me? So we need God's leadership. A song that we sing frequently in our church, a hymn begins with these words, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. That's a very personal song. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. And the chorus goes like this. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. It's a wonderful thing when you recognize God's leadership in your life. We, We sing it. We sing it, but do we really seek it? Do we understand it? Do we want it to be true that God is leading us? Uh, B.B. McKinney was a Baptist hymn writer. He wasn't a pastor, but he was, went to uh, seminary, and he wrote several songs that are in our hymn book. But one of them we sing in an invitation song, uh, frequently very popular. And uh, the verse, one of the verses says, He drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know, and in that will I now abide. Wherever he leads, I'll go. And we sing that chorus, wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. 
I'll follow my Christ who loves me so wherever He leads, I'll go. God wants to lead us. And I feel like I'm trying to just persuade us all to believe it even more. God wants to lead us. And actually, there are probably times in our life when we're more interested in God following where we want to go. God, would you follow along wherever I want to go when God really wants us to follow Him where He wants to go? My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. The song in our hymn book, Jesus led me all the way, led me step by step each day. I will tell the saints and angels as I lay my burdens down, Jesus led me all the way. Now who is it that God leads? I'm going to look back at our text for a moment in Romans chapter 8 and just reread it. Who is it that God leads? In verse 8, or verse 14 of Romans 8 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know who, who are led by the Spirit of God? It's the sons of God. And, and I know that nobody here believes it, but it's a lie. The world tells us a lie when he says, well, we're all the children of God. No, we're not all the children of God. We're children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're children of God because we've been birthed into His family. We're children of God because God has adopted us. And who is it that God leads? He leads His children. A lost person cannot... And, and there's some of you here tonight, I'm sure, that are probably not saved. And you, you can't know what it is to be led by the Spirit because the Spirit of God is not inside of you. An unsaved person is separated from God because of their sin. And, but, the, but the child of God, the, the born-again child of God is indwelt by the Spirit of God. He lives within us. And He leads those who are His, His sons and daughters. He leads us. Tonight, one of the goals I have in this message is that we could go away from here thinking more about this. You know, I want to I look to God for direction in my life. Not just what I want to do, but what does God want me to do? So he leads those who are his children. But second of all, he leads those who are yielded to him and depending on him. God won't force his way on us. I want to look up a couple of verses back in the Old Testament again. And uh, the first one I want to look up is in Psalms. And I'm, going to, I'm turning to Psalms right now. And while I'm turning to it, I'm thinking... Um, that it's not the verse I'm looking for. It's in Psalm, but it's not that verse. Go to Proverbs chapter 16. And maybe I'll think of this other verse. Maybe he'll lead me. Proverbs chapter 16. Look at this. Look at this passage. Verse 2. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. Now, very simple statement, but a very profound statement. Most, most people can justify what they're doing as being right. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. So we have this, we, we have this natural tendency to think that our way is the best way. But if we'll let God 
do it, he can weigh those thoughts. Those, the, he can weigh the Spirit. Now look in verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Now, I've been, as a Christian now for over 40 years, I've been, I've been persuaded not to trust my thoughts all the time. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. Just because you think it's good doesn't mean it's going to work out. But the, this is a great promise here about how God leads us because he says, commit thy works unto the Lord. Now that word commit means to put it entirely in his hands. And when you can remove your will from your decision and come to the place in your life when you don't really have a will of your own, you only want God's will, then it's easier for God to lead us in the way he wants to go. So I say, first of all, God leads those who are his children, but also God leads those who are yielded to him and depending upon him. Just hear me tonight. This may seem simple and easy, but it's not always easy. But when we're trying to figure out what God wants us to do, the best thing we can do is totally turn it over to God. Where whatever God chooses, we're good with. By the way, if you leave the choices to him, he'll always make the right choice, right? Always. But you know what our human nature? Our human nature wants to do what it wants to do. You say, well, you're, you're acting like I'm corrupt and depraved. It's because you are. Without Jesus Christ, we all are. We're selfish to the core. We want what we want, and we don't, nobody trained us to do this. We were born that way. Look at little kids. Mine, 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 I want mine. Give me that. You know, that's just the way, that's human nature. And that's one of the great enemies of figuring out what God wants us to do because we want to do what we want to do. So the promise is commit your works unto the Lord, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. If, if, the more we can put it in God's hands, the, the better he can lead us. So who does God lead? God leads those who are his children. God leads those who are depending upon him and yielded to him. And then God leads those who are praying. You know, there were two Two factors in God's leading in Eleazar's life as he was serving Abraham. The first one was he was praying. He was asking God to lead. And you've, you've done this. I'm sure you've done it or you've seen it happen or you've heard me say it happens. And it does. A lot of our problems come when we make decisions without consulting God. And then we start begging God to help us figure out a way to, to make it to fix it. Now that's the way life works a lot of times. And I think it'd just be a lot smarter for us to ask God in the beginning. God, what do you want me to do? And so Eleazar was praying. He's asking God, God lead me. He's trusting God. He was seeking God's direction, seeking God's will. So number one, he was praying. The second thing we learned from Eleazar was he was in the way. I being in the way, the Lord led me. It may, where was he? He was going the direction that he knew he should go. He was obeying the commands that Abraham gave him to obey. And yet, and yet in the way, he was asking God to continue to lead him. Now, 
what this, I'll tell you what this says to me. If we're obeying the will of God that we know, we're more, more apt to discover the will of God that we need to know. I would call one of those, I, this is not a Bible terminology, but, but one of them I would call God, what God has a general will. That's so different from a general Baptist. <laughs> a general will. And that means we know it's God's, we know these things are God's will. For instance, I know it's God's will that I be in the Bible every day reading and praying some, right? I mean, no matter what kind of job you have, you have a house full of kids, you're, you're being a mother and a, and a wife, and, or if you're working a factory job or you're in construction, I believe, I know it's God's will. I can clearly define this in the scripture that God wants every one of his children to spend time with him every day of their life in the word of God in prayer. Even if it's just a few moments to start your day off right and get some scripture in you, that's his general will. That, that's his will for all of us. I know it's God's general will that we forgive everyone who's wronged us. We know that's true. We're not to have bitterness. We're not to have unforgiveness. We're not to carry grudges. I know it's God's will that we be faithful in our stewardship. I know it's God's will that we assemble with the body, that we serve in the body. That God, These are all a part of His will. That's being in the way. I'm doing everything the best I can to follow God's will. He being in the way the Lord led Him. I think it would be kind of presumptuous maybe even foolish, for a person who's disobeying God on many levels to say, God, would you lead me in this area of my life? I'm not saying you wouldn't do it, but that's outside the norm, I would say. So God leads those who are his children. God leads those who are surrendered to him. God leads those who are praying and seeking his will. And then the final question, how does God lead How does he lead? First and foremost, more than any other way, God leads by his word. This is a record of God's will for us. For instance, the psalmist said this, Psalm 119 and 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's That doesn't mean that if you get in a dark room and hold the Bible out, it's just... It's going to illuminate your path. You do that with your phone. (laughs) But what it means is the word of God will lead you. It'll guide you. It'll show you the right direction. You don't have to, you know, a lot of things we don't even have to pray about. God, God tells us to respect our elders. God tells us to be grateful for his blessings. God tells us to worship him in spirit and in truth. These are things he's already told us. He just wants us to obey him. He leads us by his word. Psalmist said this, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Think about it. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. God leads us through his word. He commands us, for instance, to go personally and privately to anyone who may have trespassed against us. God doesn't have to wake you up in the night with some special revelation. He's already told us what to do. You say, well, I just don't know what I ought to do about this. And oftentimes there's a chapter and verse we could go right to and find out exactly what God wants us to do. 
He leads us by His Word. But second of all, and along with that, He leads us by His Spirit. And that's what Romans chapter 8 is talking about. That's what Acts chapter 8 was talking about when it says, The Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. You say, do you think, you think the Spirit of God still does things like that? I know He does. I don't, he doesn't speak in an audible voice. We might call it a prompting. As like I said, I believe He sometimes even leads us through our thoughts. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. One thing to always remember, though, God, God's Spirit will never lead us contrary to what His Word tells us. More than a few times. I've had people tell me they believe God wanted them to do something. Or they had peace about something. I didn't have peace about it. Because it violated the scripture. God never leads us to violate the word of God. But the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He wants to lead us. And I'm confident that even in my own life, He wants to lead me, lead us more than we sometimes are accustomed to allowing Him to do. And sometimes he'll lead us by... You know, remember what Jesus said about the coming of the Spirit of God? When he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. But he also says he's going to bring to your remembrance the things that, he's taught, that I've taught you. Sometimes that's the way the Spirit leads us. He'll remind us of a command, remind us of a promise. He brings it to our mind. You said, you really believe that's God doing that? I really do believe that's God doing that. He does, he does prompt us. It's not always the same way. As I was preparing this lesson, I was thinking about something happened to me many, many, many years ago. It may have been before I was pastor, but I was a member of this church. And uh, it was a Wednesday night. We had a Wednesday night service. And after the service on Wednesday night, we got in the car. And I just felt impressed to go a totally different direction to get home than I was going to go. And it, I could tell you, take you within a few hundred feet of where I was. It was out in the country road. It made no sense, but I drove out on that country road, and as I turned a corner and started, I saw a car sitting on the side of the road, and I recognized the car, and I recognized the man behind the wheel. And it was a man who was a member of our church, who had a family, children in our church. And there was a lady sitting beside him. There was another lady who was a member of our church and had children in our church. And they were out there having a prayer meeting on the side of the road on a dark night after a Wednesday night service. No, I was speaking. And I pulled up beside it and rolled the window down and said a few things. <laughs> and uh, now I say that because I hadn't thought about that in a long, long time. But I say that because, I mean, how did I know they were out there? By the way, as far as I know, and that, that ended that, right? And wasn't long until one of those people left our church. And uh, as far as I know, it never went anywhere too bad. That was bad enough. But it never went anywhere any worse. And you know what? I think God rescued them from making a serious, serious, seriously bad decision in their life. Now, how did I know that? I didn't know that. I didn't even know why I was going out there. I had no reason why I was going out there. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but I'm just saying God is able to lead people. 
He knows stuff, right? God knows stuff. A lot more stuff than I know. Amen? We ought to want to add, He leads us by His Word. He leads us by His Spirit. He can lead us in our thoughts. He can lead us in our promptings, and what we call a prompting. Now, we need to be careful. You know, if you say, I believe God led me to go take all my money to the casino, and I think God's going to bless. No, you need to back up. Pray about that a little more. Don't take all your money. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) God does lead us. He wants to lead us. Wouldn't you like to have the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, hopefully, be the person that God has chosen for you, young person? I mean, that God himself selected for you. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Wouldn't you like to be in the job, the career, where God wants, not where you want to be, not where you think you could, but where God wants you to be? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? How about the house that God wants you to live in? The car that God wants you to drive? You say, do you really believe, preacher, that all those things matter to God? I believe all those things matter to God. He wants us to, he wants us to ask Him. He leads us by His Word. He leads us by His Spirit. As I said earlier, He leads us in answer to prayer. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms again. Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Here's a prayer that I have prayed many, many times in my life. Proverbs 27 and verse 11. David prays, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Your way, your path, your road. Teach me thy way and lead me in a plain path. Because of mine enemies. God, I want you to lead me in a plain path. I I want you to show me what you want me to do. You say, well, I'm not David. Well, neither am I. But God wants us to trust him, to guide us. Ask him. You remember when when Paul got saved? Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, he got saved. And after he got saved, he prayed a prayer. Lord... What wilt thou have me to do? Very simple prayer. By the way, that's a good prayer to pray. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And this is what the Lord said to him. I want you to go into Damascus. No, it says go into the city. I want you to go into the city and it shall be told thee what you're to do. Now that's not a lot of information. But it's a very valuable piece of information. Just go to the city, and then I'll give you more direction. The point is, why don't we ask God what he wants us to do? Why don't we ask God to lead us? And, and, and if there's a lesson in that from Paul, it's like, if you'll do what, if, do what you know to do, and then I'll give you more leadership in your life, more direction in your life. We ought to be asking him. I was thinking of the verses we were singing the song tonight where Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And to him that seeketh, he shall find. And to him that knock, it shall be opened unto them. And which of you, Jesus said, if you're a father and you have a child, 
And he asks for a piece of bread. Will you give him a stone? He, he, and he goes on and says, If you being wicked and evil, you know how to do good things for your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give to his children? Ask him. Ask God for direction. Ask God to lead. You know why we don't ask him sometimes? Because we don't want to consider the possibility that maybe we're wrong. God wants us to ask him for big things and little things. Some of you have heard this story. I hadn't told it in a long time, but I thought of it today. Many years ago when I was, um, again, I'm not sure if I was a pastor yet then or not. But I was visiting a hospital in St. Louis. And back in those days, a lot of the hospitals had, uh, you had to pay to park in them. Not so much now. Some you do, but I had to, you had to pay to park. Well, I, I was there by myself, and I went and made a visit at the hospital, and there was a, it was a large sum to get out of the parking lot. You had to have a quarter. As I was on the elevator, I'd made my visit. I'm on the elevator going down to go to the car. It occurred to me that I didn't have any money, not even a quarter. And on the elevator, I was wondering... What are you going to do? You're going to go ask some. I mean, surely somebody loan me a quarter. I'll sing for a quarter, you know, or something. But while I was on the elevator, I said, Lord, you could give me a quarter. And I got off the elevator and started walking toward my car. And I wasn't looking up. I was looking for a quarter. And with God as my witness, about halfway to my car, there it was, the quarter I needed to get out of that parking lot. Now, you say, that's just a quarter. It was more than a quarter to me. It was a confirmation that God wants us to ask him. And God wants to lead us. You say, well, that's nothing. Maybe nothing to you, but it's a lot to me. You say, well, that was just a coincidence. You'll never convince me of that. God wants to lead us. And... I think it starts with just believing that, that he wants to lead us. He wants to be involved in our decisions. And it could be that that's one reason, probably more, there are more reasons, but one reason that people just sort of lose their excitement about the Christian life is because they're just doing what seems right and whatever comes to mind and whatever seems natural or this is what my friends are doing. Rather than saying, God, what do you want? What do you want for my life? Would you show me? Would you lead me? So as we're thinking about the person of the Holy Spirit, we're thinking about how he lives within us and he wants to lead us. And let's take him up on that, right? Let's, let's take him, Lord, I want to, I want to, I want to, I may have to change my way of thinking. I may have to reprogram my mind, my habits, the mental processes of making decisions. But I want to learn to follow you. Amen? And and I'll tell you, one thing God wants, hear me now, He wants you to be saved. If you're not saved, God wants you to be saved. And you already paid the price for that. You know that. But you've got to come to Him. Humble yourself and come to him. Put your faith in Christ.